0: Hello, this is Let's Talk Horses with me, Meg Parkinson, and you're listening to episode 26. And in this episode, I am going to address a question that I had from one of the listeners about what is an independent seat and how do we go about getting it? Hope you really enjoy it and I'll see you on the other side. So today I'm going to speak to you about an independent seat. Someone messaged me and asked me a question of what, what do people mean when they say an independent seat? And how do we go about finding that? Um, So firstly, what does an independent seat mean? An An independent seat for a rider means that we have the ability to follow the horse's movement in all three paces. So that we are able to move with the horse we don't get kind of a jarring bouncing we don't get that kind of rigid lifting out of the saddle when we're cantering we stay in the saddle in the seat and we are able to take the horse's movement and energy up through our body and create that energy and carry on that movement through our body as an upwards wave So the way I like to explain it and picture it, I'm quite a 3D person, as you might have guessed from this point (laughs) if you're this far into the podcast, is um, when I was a kid we used to go to the local swimming pool and they had a wave machine and when the waves came and they kind of hit a wall they caused this crash and like you then had this wave moving one way and then hitting the wall which is is riveted and then that wave being reflected back so then you had this kind of ups and downs of the two different waves the wave that's being sent first and the wave that's being hitting that wall back and if you think about um, the horse's energy and the horse's movement as a wave rising up through them and then up through your body any stiffness, tension or rigidity becomes that wall that I used to see at the swimming pool, but kind of above. And that wave of energy then hits that rigidity and then is sent back down into the horse. And because it's sent back down, it it acts like a kind of jarring feeling to the horse and it can be quite, um, quite a negative feeling for the horse. And also it can feel quite jarring to us as a rider. And what we want to try to create within our body is the ability to not have that wall so if you imagine a wave coming into shore rather than hitting a rock for example a wave coming into shore just kind of like peters out as it comes into the sand and then ripples away that wave is a continuous amount of energy that is just kind of allowed to flow to its full length whereas waves hitting the cliffs or the rocks in the in the sea, that wave is then sent back with a big crash and you get these kind of, and that's what causes those peaks in the, in the wave in the sea. So if we want to try to create that, what we want to try to do is allow that energy to travel up through our body, up through our spine. And I imagine it kind of leaving through the top of our head in this kind of continuous motion. So we're not sending anything back down. We're not creating that rigidity. And in order to, uh, to do that, we have to have an independent seat because anything that, any stuckness that we have in our body, any um, tension or solid, solid areas of our body that, don't, that resist that movement will create that kind of crashing wave of energy, which lessens the ability to have an independent seat. So that's one meaning of the independency, is the ability to allow the horse's movement, to follow the horse's movement, to be part of the horse's movement. So you end up being together rather than two separate entities. The other part of an independency is being able to move your aids independently as separate aids which aren't kind of pulling and twisting and contorting the body where they, um where there is tightness and tension so for example you would want to be able to bring your left leg back and the whole of the rest of your body stay in the position that it's in and doesn't need to like twist or tip or collapse to allow that leg to move separately so that's the other part of an independency allowing our aids to work independently of one another so that's leg and hand so on a really basic stable on a really basic rider a low level kind of just learning beginning ride beginner rider um, you will see that maybe as their seat isn't very Hasn't advanced very much, and we're kind of working on those muscles, and we're working on the core, and we're working on the balance. As the rider goes to use their legs, they might rely on the reins for balance, or as they go to use the, um, they go to use their rein, they might find that they kind of grip with different parts of their body, because the the seat isn't built there to maintain the balance of the rider, so the hands can be used separate from the legs. Um, you can use your right rein, you should be able to use your right rein different to your left, your right leg different to your left, and neither kind of affect the other side. So yes, as a rider we will probably be doing more than just moving one leg, the other leg might be moving slightly further forwards, we might be applying a little bit more pressure through the outside rein, softening the inside rein, all at the same time, but as we are doing that we want to have the ability to do that without creating tensions in other parts of our body and that all stems from having an independent seat because if our seat is strong and stable but supple enough to be able to create that movement we are then able to have that independent seat so that's what an independent seat is how do we go about creating that so the first thing is we need to understand that when we watch these top riders, these idols that we have, and they look like they're not moving, and that's our aim is to look like we're doing very little, that we're using the smallest amount of signals. If we actually kind of pull back from that picture and start to really focus on the different parts of the rider's body, we will see that they are actually moving a lot, but they are moving with the horse. So. An analogy we use on a really basic level is if you've got a horse and a saddle and you put a solid stick on the saddle, so the stick is solid, it's not going to be moving, and you trot that horse on, that stick's going to bounce off. Whereas if you put a lump of jelly and this is a real basic analysis because we don't want to be a lump of jelly, but if you put a lump of jelly that has the ability to move and flex and kind of flow with the horse, that will stay on the saddle for a lot longer. Probably not too much longer, because it's not <laughs> its not supporting itself, but it will stay on there a little bit longer and it certainly will move with the horse much more naturally. Another way to learn it is put a saddle on your horse's back and lunge them. Because when you start to watch a horse move on from the ground without a rider on and watch their saddle, you will see how much movement their saddle has. And actually it can be quite shocking to start with, because you can realise actually to stay with that saddle, And to not move against it but to move with it because that's part of having this independency is to move with the horse's movement and not resist that movement our body has to absorb quite a lot of force and it has to move itself quite a lot to follow that movement and that's a really good exercise to do is to to just get that visual idea of actually how much your body is going to need to be moving in the right way to stay with the horse and when you then get that movement within your body that's moving with the horse not resisting against the horse you're getting that wave of energy and it's flowing through you and you're absorbing that wave of energy rather than butting it away you will find that you will look to the to the observer like you're sitting very still but you will feel like you're you're moving quite a lot to absorb that so we need to understand how that works and the biggest thing that uh, picture that I've always had is think about your ribcage hovering on top of your pelvis and think about the belly area that's connecting the ribcage and the pelvis to be kind of one of those Ben, the, the middles of the bendy bus, like an accordion kind of like that like rubbery effect and so your rib cage up is, is going to stay very still but your pelvis and your belly is going to move quite a lot because that's going to absorb movement so if you're in a position where you can do this now if you're driving obviously maybe wait till later um, pop your hands either side of your ribcage, probably following around your bra strap line if you're a girl. And if you're standing, just hold those hands so you hold your ribcage nice and still. And just swing your hips from side to side. Nothing huge, nothing big. But so your ribcage is still and from everything below is just moving from side to side. Now see if you can draw a figure of eight with your hips. So you might have seen some people do this sitting on a big uh, Swiss ball. You can do this, you can do it with a hula hoop. It's quite good fun, gets you engaging the muscles at the same time. And I'll do a little kind of demonstration of that one day. Just trying to draw a figure of eight with your hips and then reverse that figure of eight still keeping your ribcage nice and still. So your hands, your shoulders and everything are super still and it's just your lower body moving. Now that kind, this is a really basic explanation of it. There's a lot more to it, but this starts to break into that feeling of separating your seat region's movement from your upper body's movement. Why is that key? Because you've seen how much the saddle moves what you don't wanna be doing is taking that movement into your upper rib cage, your shoulders, your shoulder girdle, and then ultimately down into your arms. So to have soft, still hands that move with the horse's head and neck movement, but don't move with their back movement, we need to have that ability of maintaining stillness from our kind of bra strap line up, and a movement within our hips below and that stillness isn't a solid stillness it's absorbing the energy of that movement but it's not moving with so there's a separation so just um whilst you're doing that you're kind of doing your in your figures of eight you'll probably find that one figure of eight is a bit harder than the other and that's also fine just have a bit of a practice and that will tell you Because these little figures of eights that you're drawing with your hips are quite similar to maybe your canter movement and even your walk movement. So if you struggle to move your body in one figure of eight, if it feels really alien, that's a little telltale sign that you're slightly uneven with it. So just check how your feet are standing. And if your feet are a little bit close, take them a little bit wider than your hips and try that. Still keeping. rib cage still now the good picturizing picture that I feel like this is is the rib cage if you close your eyes if you can the rib cage is now hovering above the moving pelvis now see if you can drop your hands down and imagine you're holding the reins but keep that same figure of eight feeling and the rib cage hovering so it's not moving with. As soon as it starts to move, pop your hands back and just hold it still. And just keep changing, keep changing from hands on your rib cage to hands into a riding position. And you'll notice you have to keep your elbows just a little bit wider to absorb that movement of your hips. Keep changing your figure of eight from one way to the other. Just getting used to, can you tell how sometimes your body, your upper body wants to follow as well? trying to free up the two parts of the spine and that connection of upper body to lower body and by doing that you are starting to get the feel of what an independent seat feels like you're starting to get the feel of what it feels like to move with your horse but maintain that still quiet top half and that's when you watch these top riders and you think, gosh, they're not doing they're not moving. It's because everything's coming from their bra strap line down, from their rib cage down. That's doing a lot of the work, the seat work, the control, the support, the balance, switching on, switching off. And it's the shoulders and the head area that are staying soft and still. And that's what creates the look of not really doing an awful lot. Because we see that their shoulders and their neck and their head are not moving with the with overly moving they're just kind of floating hovering it's that kind of feeling of a swan and everything's paddling underneath you're from your ribcage up you want to be that nice elegant swan coming across the water not really doing a lot from the top half and then from your ribcage down is those legs they're not exactly paddling for you but that's the area that's doing all of the movement that's the area that's doing all of the work So that's a really simple exercise that you can do, just to start to bring in that mind mapping, the bringing in the neuro pathways of learning how it feels to move one part and separate the two, so we're creating that independent seat. The next thing is, is we need to become aware now of how our pelvis sits within us as a human and within us when we're riding. So we talk about and you'll hear me talk about quite a lot is the neutral pelvis. So the neutral pelvis is the ideal position of your pelvis region. Now I've seen quite a lot of people write about things like the neutral pelvis is just kind of that's not a reality because you have to move with the horse and kind of like all different conflicting answers. So I'm gonna tell you what I believe and what me coaching and me riding has kind of created. It's important for us as a human to understand how our body naturally wants to sit within our, with and hold our pelvis. And it's important to understand the the pro, the like the, the cons of certain pelvis positioning and what that can do to ourselves. Because if we understand that, we can maybe see why we have certain pains in our body but also why we struggle with certain things. Ideally, as a rider, we want to learn to be able to maintain a neutral pelvis, or at least have a neutral pelvis as your starting point. And what I mean by that is, yes, your pelvis and your spine are going to move with the horse's movement. I've already spoken about how we have to follow the horse's movement but if we always are coming from a neutral pelvis movement rather than an anterior telt- tilted pelvis or a posterior telt- p- tilted pelvis, we are then always coming from a stable, even place. So what do I mean by that? First of all, if you, again, if you can do this whilst you're standing, then great. Just take a moment and if you can find a mirror, even better stand yourself up and don't think about it too much just make sure your feet are about hip width apart and just pop your hands onto those um, hip bones you might have to find them a little bit (laughs) if you're like me they might stick out if you're lucky but you but you might have to dig around a bit hip bones just at the front of your body and imagine that you've got some headlights on those hip bones And I want you to just kind of, and you can, uh, how I do it is I like rest. So I hold my hands flat with my palms facing down and I rest my, like the air, the corner of my hand just below my thumb joins. And I just wanna see where your headlights are pointing. So my natural way of holding myself is I allow my pelvis to rock forwards so you've seen the picture i've posted it a few times it's in the pony club my handbook so it's kind of been around our our mindset for years is the pelvis as a bucket of water now my natural way of holding myself without when i don't consciously think about it is my pelvis tips forward so the water will flow out the front and i can tell that because my headlights are pointing just a little bit down so they're just pointing at an angle just slightly down You might find that you're, you're, you're holding your bucket well and your water is maintaining, and if that's the case, your headlights are pointing dead out in front of you. And sometimes, especially if we spend a lot of time sitting at a desk, but also if you've had an instructor constantly telling you to tuck your tailbone underneath you, sometimes we have the opposite where we end up with our pelvis tilted backwards And the water will come out of the back if that was a bucket. Now what we want to try to avoid is starting from either the water falling out of the back or the water falling out of the front. We want to try to learn what it feels like to hold the bucket of water nice and stable within our pelvis. So you can place one hand on your lower spine and one hand on your lower belly and you can just play around with this. And if you're seated, you can just roll your pelvis forward so you feel a little bit more of your pubic bone on the seat and then roll your pelvis back so you feel more of your like bum flesh. Just have a little play with that. And one might be really easy to access. For me, it's rolling it forwards. And one might be slightly more hardy. You might have to find that you kind of Feel a little bit differently and this is you off a horse and this is something for you to do also on a horse and I guide you through this in I think it's episode I'm going to say six which is the um, are you sitting comfortably exercise I guide you through this feeling when you're sitting on a horse so you can always pop that on in your ears when you're riding And what you're doing is you're just rocking back and forth so you're creating a little pelvis movement and just notice as you're rocking that pelvis forwards and back, dropping it forwards, dropping it back, rolling it forwards, rolling it back. Notice which muscles switch on and which muscles don't so much. And then what I want you to try to do is find the spot where you know that your pelvis is now supporting that bucket of water and it's not tipping forwards and it's not tipping too far back. Now, as I do that, what I can feel is I can feel there's a small switch on in my tummy area where before my core was doing absolutely sweet FA, has now started to work. So now I'm stabilizing my lower, my lumbar region, my lumbar spine. Now, why is this important? So for just you as a moving human, if you spend your life with your water being tipped out of the front, you are hanging out in your ligaments and Tendons and ligaments of your hips and also your lower back. This isn't good because what you're doing is you're not engaging your deep, deep core muscles to support that spine. So then, if you are like me, and you probably are because if you're listening to this, you're into horses, you're spending your life um, <coughs> lifting heavy things you are not naturally engaging your core muscles. So you'll start to overuse things like your glutes, your bum muscles, your thigh muscles. You'll use your arms and your shoulders. So you'll probably be really strong through your upper body, but your belly region won't be doing a huge amount. Fast forward, you keep doing this to your body. you You may start to have back pain and you are putting yourself at a little bit of risk of having an actual injury there especially with the kind of weights that we carry and i say this really because as a woman who's a horse rider we will happily kind of lift a bag of food which is 20 kilos bag of shavings and i don't know whether you realize this but within the health and safety world i think it's a woman should only ever lift above like not nothing above nine kilos and everything else should be le- handled with two people and i know that doesn't happen in the horse industry i mean i've been an employer in the horse industry employing women and know that i can tell them till the cows come home that this is above the weight limit that we're allowed you al- you're allowed to lift as an employed person with us but i know that they'll just pick it up and swing it over their backs And I'm not saying that they shouldn't, and I'm not saying that any of us shouldn't do that, but what we need to be aware of is, what are we doing with our, how are we using our body so we're not going to injure ourselves in the long term? And I'm saying this from a point of complete um, understanding because this is being recorded in the summer of 2022 and in the spring summer of 2021, I had to have an emergency spinal operation because I had a bit of time out from doing the heavy lifting because I was pregnant. My muscles that I had left disappeared or my muscles that I kind of was there but not really activating because I just did things disappeared. And so then I spent my life hanging into those ligaments. And then one day I went to put my daughter into a cot and my disc just came out because I wasn't engaging any of the muscles that I needed and it has been a long road back from recovery from that and the biggest thing for me is to really understand what those deep core muscles do and the stability that we need and how we how our pelvis position really plays into that role as a rider what it does is if your pelvis starts in a neutral position you are starting from a switched on core So it takes the pressure out of the contact it allows your shoulders to soften it allows your arms to soften because what your brain does is it like i explained in the feet episode there's a subconscious conversation going on with our body of how we must stay safe and if your core isn't activating your brain will find other muscles that are bigger and stronger to make sure you're stable so that's where we hold the reins a little too tight or we brace in our shoulders because we try, our brain is compensating for the fact that our core isn't, our deep center muscles. And the core isn't the six pack that you see. It's not through doing a million sit-ups. Please don't go and do sit-ups. They are not good for you to, deal, to deal, build that deep core muscle. Your deep core all the muscles that co- surround. It's called a core because it's the centre of you, the apple core. It's not the six pack you see on all of like the um, muscle builders and things like that. That's the external muscles. That's your abs region. The core is the muscles that support your spine. And if we activate them and make sure that they are working, the rest of the body can soften because the mind can go, "Okay, we are stable because by... Stabilising the core, we stabilise our pelvis. This just all naturally starts to happen. And then our pelvis and our core being stable means that we can feel our feet a little bit more. And this whole brain body feedback system can come into that calmer space. So letting our belly hang out and letting our pelvis tip forwards isn't a great thing for our body. Because it means we're not naturally engaged in those deep core. If we are a person that tucks our tailbone underneath us and we kind of collapse into our belly and you might find that you do that in different postures when you practice your stretching, we are, what we're doing here is we're hyperextending the lower back region muscles, not, not the actual um, spine, but muscles that are then pulling on that spine and we are switching on our glutes a bit too much so if you kind of roll your bum underneath you you will find that your bum goes rock hard and that's your glutes being switched on and that's not what we want as a rider because glutes switched on means that it's it says to we're saying to our horse stop and we want to be able to switch them on but we need to be able to take them off and also when you tuck your tailbone underneath you you will notice your lower back goes completely straight so you lose the curve in your lower back Now, if you look at any skeleton in any doctor's office or physio's office, you will see that our spine has a natural curve to it. It's never totally straight. So when someone says to you, sit up straight, that's the wrong term because your spine isn't straight. It has a natural curve to it. And as a rider, we need to maintain that natural curve. We don't want to over extend that curve to make it like a hyper curve but we also don't want to flatten it out because if we do either of those things we take out the mechanics of the spine and the ability of the spine to absorb movement and pressure when the spine is in that natural curve in its natural space it is there to then able to absorb the movement of the horse absorb any movement and also absorb any concussion and what I mean by concussion is kind of energy and force coming up or down through the spine. That curve kind of gives, has that flexion to it. Anything that's dead straight loses any flexion. If you think when you jump off your horse, you bend your knees because you have that then suspension to take the force out. If you jumped off your horse and landed on a straight leg, that's not going to feel very good you'll probably do yourself an injury, but also you'll feel that jarring coming through your body we need that slight bend in ourselves to create that um, suspension through our body the ability to absorb force so our having our natural curve in our spine is really key to being able to absorb that 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 energy that we want to have that independent seat so if you struggle with having an independent seat it's quite likely that you don't have that natural curve in your spine that either you're tucking your tailbone underneath you too much and your lower back is then rigidly straight or you're rocking forwards on the pelvis and your belly is sticking out and you're kind of overarching the lower back And this can happen when we try to like pull our shoulders back and we stick our boobs out. That creates that hyper arch in the lower back region. And that will also take out the suspension because we are then overbent and then there's no kind of cushioning. And that will all restrict our ability to absorb the horse's movement. So we end up jarring, we end up bouncing, we end up unable to move with our horse so well. So that's why it's so important to start from a neutral pelvis, because from a neutral pelvis, not only is your pelvis in the right position, but your spine that comes out of your pelvis is then in the correct position to help with absorbing the horse's movement and the powers put through it. But also from there, we have the ability to let our legs hang in the correct position too, because we are then much more in a standing position and not a seated position. are much more around the horse and feel like our legs are hanging out of our hip joint rather than ourselves collapsing back onto our tailbone from here from this independent seat this neutral pelvis you've we've spoken about it how the saddle moves across the horses back when they're being lunged if you were to just kind of lock yourself into this position you're not going to move with your horse so it's not about maintaining this neutral pelvis and not moving anywhere it's about being able to move your pelvis move your spine to absorb the movement but always coming from and back to that neutral pelvis and that's where you work from and that's how you get that feeling of being with the horse but you are also stable within yourself so that's a little bit about an independent seat from the pelvis and the spinal point of view. The hip mobility that I always talk about in um, my posts and my blogs and everything, and I just waffle away, is all part of also the independent seat. And I'm going to talk about that in the next episode. But hopefully, for now, this has given you a few things to think about. Um, from this, I am going to pop up a 15 minute practice onto my Instagram that will help you understand your spinal alignment and work towards your independency. That's going to go onto my Instagram today, which as of today, it's the 19th of July. Um, but just have a look around the kind of long video section and it will say working for an independent seat i urge you to go and have a go at that set aside 15 minutes in your week you'll need to have a space to lay out on the floor just switch it on and it's nothing too energetic if you've got a poorly back it's a really good one for that too it's about you starting to understand how your spine your hips and your legs all work together but also need to work independently Um, so there'll be that on there and then for those of you that are part of the Riding Club, and details will come about that in a minute, but for those of you that are part of the Riding Club, this week's stretch session um, is all about this, what we've just been talking about, and it's an hour's practice and it's now on the Hub. And I will call that, thinking off the top of my head, um, an independency and spinal connection so have a look for that and also your seven days of stretches so if you're on the online club you get five minute five to ten minute stretches every single day will all be based around this independency so if you've really enjoyed this and you want to delve in more this is what we address in the club i'll do i do webinars and things like that over the summer about things like this and we get into a bit more detail but more details will come up about in that in a minute um and see you next episode to talk about what your hips have to do with it all thank you see you later hi me again just a little reminder that if you enjoy my content and want to learn more join my community and Basically, further your knowledge in both horses and your own rider position. I have opened the doors to my new online riding club, and you can get involved too. For fifteen pounds a month, you can have access to so much information, teachings, lessons from equistretch sessions through to um, private podcast schooling ideas audio lessons and so so much more so the link is in the show notes um head over there and i'd love to see you as part of the community